Hey guys, what's up? It's Carlos's Movies and Reviews, and today is March 22nd. It's great to see and hear everybody. Well, I'm not seeing anybody, but of course, hear everybody. And today's going to be a little bit different, a little bit special. Today and today only is maybe probably one of the best ideas to do. So today we're going to cover my top 10 dystopian films of all time. So if you're wondering what's dystopia, what, why, well, here's what and why. So it's about a future that is completely different than our current future that we're looking at. Or current events, current time. Well, in the future, it's completely different. Or certain things have changed that have made it a dystopia. So that's the layman terms. That's the short end of it. We don't have to dive into science or history of it. So with that being said, we're going to count down the top 10. And just a spoiler alert, there is no Hunger Games. And I don't have to worry about District 12. 13, 1, whatever, capital, blah, 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 blah. I volunteer. I volunteer Hard pass, Katniss. Sorry, we're not going that route. Um, so today, let's kick it off with number 10 is Alita Battle Angel. So Alita Battle Angel is a new film by Robert Rodriguez, and it's actually produced by John Landau and James Cameron. This movie flew under the radar. My buddy and John, my buddy John and I went and seen it at the theaters and we were like, can we watch this in IMAX? Like literally, that's what we said like after we watched it. They released it in IMAX only for like 2 weeks and we were like, what? That's not long enough. Like, come on. Like we we got to see it now. So this movie is full of stars and casts and the CGI, which is just amazing. It's what James Cameron's been developing for years, ever since he worked on, you know, Terminator to Abyss to jumping, you know, hey, years later, we got Avatar and people went nuts and bonkers and that type of stuff that he's doing with his whole new processing machines and systems where he literally has red cameras stacked on each other and using double-edged mirrors to project certain imagery and then going into CGI formatting. It's bonkers. Well, that same technology has been applied to Alita. And I'll tell you what, man, I was blown away when I saw her at the screen. I mean, I couldn't believe my eyes of seeing her eyes look so damn real. I was like, wow, this is impressive. So with this being said, who do we have taken on the role of Alita? It's Rosa Salazar. And Rosa Salazar's character, who is Alita, it's set in several centuries in the future where there's this abandoned body that this world-renowned genius scientist played by Christoph Waltz finds her. And he ends up finding out that her brain's intact, everything. And he's like, wow. This is interesting. In this heap of this junkyard, he finds this body. And he's a compassionate guy who's a cyber doctor who takes her, this unconscious cyborg Alita, to his clinic. And he helps repair her and fix her. And she awakens. No memory of who she is. You know, we got that whole, 
you know, I forgot who I was, running man type feeling. But then things start coming back to her and she's like having reactions to who she was. And no spoilers. I just want to leave it at that. At that point, you're taking on this journey of her finding her past and confronting not only the past, but the future that has taken place. So that came out back in uh, 2019. It's a two-hour, two-minute film. Now, if you're as excited as I am for it and you're wondering, Carlos, where can I watch this? I want to watch it right now. For those of you that have HBO or have the subscription to HBO Go, it's on HBO. Put it on your uh, DVR, whatever. Go for it. It's totally worth it. You're going to love it. If not, and you're like, oh, where else can I find it? You can find it on YouTube, Amazon Prime, Google Play, Vudu. You know that's my recommendation where I watch everything. Uh, if you have a Hulu subscription that ha- covers everything, then you're going to be totally loaded. So since tomorrow that we are all going to be in the quarantine world, and if you're getting up super early and you're listening to this super late, it's going to be on, on HBO Signature at 8.15 a.m. tomorrow morning. So, or this morning, if you will, uh, March 23rd to be exact. And if you can't catch it, you can catch it at 10 a.m. on March 26th and Saturday, March 28th at 3.40 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And that's all going to be on HBO. So give that a shot. It's really amazing. It also stars Jennifer Connelly, Kian Johnson, Mahersa Ali, Ed Screen, Jackie Earl Haley. And, you know, hey... If you love sci-fi, if you love cyberpunk, if you love Japanese manga, this is for you. Alita Battle Angel at number 10. And you won't be disappointed. At number 9, we're going to semi-switch gears, but we're still going to stay in the manga world, is Edge of Tomorrow. Which has had like 10,000 different running titles since it's based on a manga. It's like, kill, be killed, killer of days kill kill again la la kill 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 a kill it's it's crazy it's it's went through so many times like when i saw this at the theater back in 2014 i was like okay so why does this movie have like one title on my ticket one title on screen at the opening credits then another one and then one different title at the ending could they just like not balance it together But I digress. Moving on. (laughs) Um, So Edge of Tomorrow, which is, again, based on a sci-fi manga, is the whole Earth's under attack. We're pretty much spread out. We have nowhere to go. No, nothing to really, truly fight with. But out of nowhere comes this character played by Tom Cruise, who's a media journalist of all things, who plays Bill Cage. And he's literally forced into the front lines of what the whole united forces of the world is hoping to stop this alien invasion. The only problem is everybody dies. That's pretty much the beginning. And no spoiler because you got that from the trailer. You got that from everything. What the interesting part is, is that these aliens are invincible and... An officer who's never seen combat's thrusted into this and he finds himself in this weird predicament 
as he dies that he's thrown into a time loop. So think of Tom Hanks' Groundhog's Day, but Military Wars, or Tom Hanks, sorry, Tom Cruise, oh my goodness, literally dropped the ball, boom. Now, uh, seriously though, uh, Tom Cruise playing in a Bill Murray film, Groundhog's Day, and there you have it right there, uh, except for you got tons of action, military war, combat, etc., etc. Uh, it's a Doug Lyman film. If you're not familiar with Doug Lyman, uh, he's done some really terrific work with uh, the Born Identity series, and he also did American Made, Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Uh, really great director. Um, he sometimes can take a little bit too long to edit his films, and as I explained earlier, uh, he obviously slipped when he was going through title process. So, uh, yeah, it's a a 2014 film. It's, uh, running time is, uh, about two hours, give or take. It's really good though. It's got Tom Hanks, Tom Hanks again. Here I go. I am obsessed with Tom Hanks today. Or was it because of the COVID-19 thing I saw? Hmm. Maybe Tom Hanks is just on my mind, guys. I don't know why. Gosh, maybe I should just like revisit some Jenny. I don't know. But um, so Tom Cruise, Emily Blunt. It's got the late great Bill, Bill Paxton in it and Brendan Gleeson, as well as Charlotte Riley, Franz Drama, Tony Way, uh, a lot of European great actors. If you've never watched a lot of European television or like specifically British television, uh, these people really stand out in uh, series, miniseries and uh, uh, small independent films. I recommend uh, giving them a shot and checking them out. Uh, You'll see some great performances there aside from, of course, Tom Cruise and Emily Blunt. Uh, yeah, definitely. Edge of Tomorrow. You can find that right now on YouTube, Google Play, iTunes, Vudu, Amazon Prime. It's If you got certain subscriptions, you can pick it up through Hulu as well. Uh, great film. Really good scoring. The uh, visual art direction and action is really cool. The aliens are semi-different than you've ever seen before. Um it kind of stirs away from the manga a little bit. I didn't really follow up and read the manga myself. I just kind of went through the premise of it and how found some like th- things that people talk about that kind of make you stick out. And it's like, oh, well, you know what? Can't win them all. But uh, definitely at number nine, I would r- highly recommend is Exit Tomorrow. The reason why it sticks out for me better than most is um, the process of the story and uh from beginning to end so definitely give that a shot uh you won't be disappointed whatsoever uh exit tomorrow and then uh number eight we're moving on to dread this movie literally kicked ass it's amazing uh straight up 2012 sci-fi thriller film they use so many different new effects they use speed cameras to record high fast traffic shots and you'll see a lot of that with um interpretation of slow-mo which is ironic because there's a drug called slow-mo so you see everything slow and so like it just has a great paradoxical play on it um it takes place based on the the actual comic dread not the 
Judge Dredd movie with Sly Stallone from the 90s. It has uh, no relevance except for Dredd himself and the city and the idea of where they're at. But this is more based and grounded to the comic. It's more hardcore are if you've never seen this film and you're like, well, I already saw Judge Dredd with Sly Stallone. I'm not going to watch some remake. Well, this is the right remake to watch. This is the right remake to go see. This is the right film to literally add to your personal library, especially if you're like me that loves a sci-fi action, great acting, great storytelling, and something that's unique and different. This is definitely it for you. It's a hard rated R, by the way, a hard rated R. It's about 90 minutes long, an hour 35 roughly, and it's straight up ass whooping from beginning to end. It stars Carl Urban, Nat Keith's cousin, who plays Judge Dredd, and it's got Olivia Thurlby playing Judge Anderson, who's a very staple character in the comic series, uh, which I was super happy that they added. And, um, you know, uh, Olivia plays a, a awesome job in this. If you haven't seen her work, or maybe you have, but you can't put a name to the face, she was uh, the good friend in Juno, and she was also in The Darkest Hour. Really great actress there. And then we, all, of course, all love uh, Lena Headey. Uh, she, Headey, if you will. She's playing uh, the antagonist of this film. And she's just amazing. I mean, come on. It, it's Cersei Lannister. Like, how can you not love her? And she's also supported by uh, Domhnall Gleeson. If you're not familiar with Domino Gleason, you've seen, if you've ever seen Peter Rabbit, Ex Machina, About Time, The Revenant, even the new Star Wars uh, series in uh, Brooklyn, then that's who uh, you should get to know. Really great actor. Um, little hint there. Yes, he is related to Brendan Gleason, who is the major leader of the United States or world's army in edge of tomorrow uh yeah he's in it it's also got wood harris rocky iola and uh, jason cope it's a kick-ass film it's about the law has completely changed society has changed and we're we're in this place called mega city one it's a vast violent metropolis where felons rule the streets the only law lies with cops called judges, and they are your judge, jury, and executioner. And they literally are the elite of the elite, and they're the city's most fear. If you want to talk about gangs, that's a gang to fear. They're super badass. It's uh, directed by Pete Travis, which some people have argued and rumors said that they said that a little other director happened to it, but I won't dive into that. Um, so Judge Dredd, the original, nowhere near as good as Dread. Dread is amazing. Check it out. Dread, it's just bonkers. Seriously, great film. And speaking of great films, let's check out number seven. Number seven really touched a soft spot for me because I love this director. I love what he's doing, his style. He really hasn't been doing anything recent, recent. He's done some short films and, and has done some little different projects here and there, but it's Neil Blomkamp's Elysium. It's a 2013 film. 
It's about 150 minutes. It stars Matt Damon, and it takes place in the year 2154, where humanity is 100% divided. There is no other way to coordinate that. Uh, there's two classes of people, the ultra-rich who live aboard, ironically, Elysium. And if you're not familiar with your Greek history and stuff, Elysium is heaven. So how quaint that the super rich live literally on a space station called Elysium around our dying planet that we have destroyed pretty much at this point, while the rest of the people that are the poor live working for the needs of Elysium and for the people uh, around them we're just scraping by it's really good really cool if you like neil blancamp style of directing his um vision of how he sees a future or or the community and people you won't go wrong there it's got action story great acting from several different characters and it just hits you where it's it's supposed to. It definitely does a retelling of class like so many films have done. It's just doing it, I think, at a faster pace and kind of giving for this dystopian future we're looking at. And again, it's got uh, Matt Damon, Jodie Foster, Charlotte Copley, Alice Braga, uh, Wagner Mora, Diego Luna, William Fichtner. I mean, that, that right there should tell you it's like, that's a huge cast. That's an amazing cast. But it's also got Jared Kiso, Adrian Holmes, Jose Pablo Cantillo, and Ferran Tahir. And so how can you go wrong with that? You can't. It's a film directed by Neil Blomkamp. It's super dope. Check it out. You can check it out right now on Vudu, YouTube, iTunes, Google Play, Amazon Prime. Even if you got a Philo subscription, Philo, that's P-H-I-L-O, there's another streaming platform. You can check it out. Um, Voodoo's got it for $2.99 to rent, where everybody else is $3.99 and up. So keep in mind that Voodoo is your best bet, as always. And speaking of best bets, our sponsor today is Sneaker Balls. Yes, Sneaker Balls. They deodorize shoes, gym bags, and lockers. And all you got to do is twist to activate. You can literally find them at Meyer, And these bad boys are only $5.99. So feel free to go get you some sneaker balls. <laughs> all right. So with Elysium under cap and we're moving on to number six. This is no short of a surprise for me or for you is Idiocracy. This movie completely different from what we were talking about already hilarious straight up bonkers nuts hilarious if you've never seen idiocracy this should be on your must watch list this has got to be on like your all-time like hey this is a movie i've heard too much about or i haven't heard enough about i should watch it like it doesn't matter idiocracy is crazy it's a 2006 sci-fi thriller that's literally what it's described it's nowhere near that it's straight up comedy it makes no sense but it fits the mold it's a mike judge film if you're not familiar with mike judge um i don't know what to tell you i can't save your life for anything but i'll try uh idiocracy is from the mind of mike judge Short and Sweet, Beavis and Butthead, King of the Hill, Office Space, that Mike Judge. Oh, yeah. 
and it's near it's narrated by Earl Mann. Yes, there's some narration in there, and Earl Mann is. He's a, a unique, different uh, film actor, which makes it really stand out. And m- when Mike sat down and wrote this, he was like, I, I have this story concept and I just got to put it together so it's done right. So he ended up getting a hold of a good friend of his, Ethan Cohen. No relation to the other Coens, but he is the Cohen that worked on Tropic Thunder, Get Hard, and Holmes and Watson. So he does have some um, prevy to bring there. So uh, with that being said, Idiocracy is about a film that came out, keep in mind, listen closely. The film was released in 2006. It's, we'll get to the running time, but it's a 2006 released film. It takes place in the beginning in the year 2005. An average, everywhere private Joe Bowers played by Luke Wilson, is selected to take part in a secret military experiment to put him in hibernation for a year long with a woman named Rita, Maya Rudolph. Well, the slumbering duo is forgotten when the base they are stored on is closed down and are left in stasis until 2505. When they finally wake up, they discover in the average intelligence of humans has decreased so much that now Luke Wilson, Joe, is now the smartest man in the world. Average Joe to smartest man in the world. And we got some crazy, crazy idiotic people. Uh, Just to fit you in, Dax Shepard plays the new guy, the friend, if you will, the comrade uh, to uh, Mr. Wilson. And he... He takes on the name of Frito. Yes, just like the chip, like the pie, Frito. And he's brought on this whirlwind journey of meeting all these different people and characters. And there's so many great people that are in there that I don't want to give it all away. But there is probably at least one person that deserves to be named more than anybody else of this entire film. And that, my friends, is President Camacho. That's right. President Camacho. Played by ours truly, Terry Crews. And when I say ours, I mean for Michiganders, hey, he is a homeboy. He's from Flint. Shout out to you, Terry. You're amazing. We love your work. Uh, Terry Crews plays President Camacho, who is the leader of the world and his character is hilariously done to the core super great um again this film is a funny fast film it's a rated r film it's an hour and 24 minutes you can find this on youtube amazon prime itunes google play voodoo and if you have a hulu subscription with the right add-ons you can watch it there. It's roughly going to be about $3.99 to rent. However, with that being said as well, this week it's going to be on like Cinemax. So you can catch it on um, Thursday, the 26th. It's going to be on early 9.45 a.m. And it'll be played again that afternoon at 12.45. And then you're going to have to wait till that 
Monday to catch it if you want to catch it again. But if you're ready to see it now and you got the time and the patience and, you know, hey, if you got Amazon Prime, you can check it out or Vudu or YouTube, you know. Hey, whatever works, whatever floats your boat. But that's Idiocracy. Go check it out. It's super hilarious. You won't be disappointed. And for my number five, it is Children of Men. Children of Men is by far one of the most disturbing films that I've seen created by Alfonso Cuaron. Um, and and he, he does press the bucket pretty hard. I mean, if you've never seen Harry Potter 3, that's, I mean, that right there should tell you all. And I'm not making fun of him. Like, seriously, he's a great director. He does amazing stuff. But Children of Men, like, he literally set out to do, like, something that really meant an awful lot to him of his views on society, world, policies, um, relationships, cultures, and um, how we look at things in general. So Children of Men is a 2006 drama, fantasy, if you will, film. Uh, It's got Clive Owen, Julianne Moore, Michael Caine, Chiwete Ojefor, Claire Hope Ashidi, Charlie Hunnam, Pam Ferris and what it does is talks and describes and gives you for us the viewer when infertility threatens mankind with extinction the last child born has perished a delusional bureaucrat who's played by Clive Owens becomes the unlikely champion in the fight for survival of Earth's population he must face down his own demons protect the planet's last remaining hope from danger it's directed by Alfonso Cuaron. Its cinematography is beautifully shot by Emmanuel Lubezki, also known as Chivo. Shout out to him. And its screenplay was written by a team of just amazing people, including Alfonso Cuaron and Mark Fergus, David Arada, Timothy J. Sexton, Hawk Aspie. This movie is amazing definitely watch it that it is on my top 100 film lists of all time you can catch it on now with youtube amazon prime video itunes google play voodoo sling tv even with stars if you got a star subscription check it out it's through the encore channel um it will be coming on back to regular encore tv or tv whatnot uh april 5th it's going to be on super late, though. It's going to be at uh, 1.45 a.m., but don't worry. You don't have to stay up super late to stay and watch that movie till 4 in the morning. You can check it out April 5th again at 7, 10 p.m., and that's on Encore Suspense. Keep that in mind. Encore Suspense, and it's only for uh, Eastern, so give that a shout. Definitely worth your time to watch. Uh, definitely a straight-up awesome film, and then... For the next film, moving on towards the end of the list, we're getting close, guys. Uh, The next film is V for Vendetta. Yes, V for Vendetta is by far one of my favorite all-time films. It is literally on my top 100 list. It is also, to take note, the movie circumferences 
around my birthday. If that's not a hint enough for you, it is around my birthday. Definitely give it a shout. V for Vendetta. It's a 2005 film made by the Wachowskis and uh, for their screenplay ethics and uh, tech tactics, which is really great. It's directed by James McTeague. If you're not aware of who James McTeague is, James McTeague did a couple other films like Ninja Assassin, The Raven, Breaking In, Survivor, The Invasion, Caserta Palace, Dream. Uh, Great guy. It's based on the story by Alan Moore and David Lloyd. If you didn't know that, they're great writers. Uh, Alan Moore, Watchmen, enough said. Uh, This film is about justice, revenge, redemption, uh, and a vendetta being finished. That's what it's about. And it stars Natalie Portman as Evie Hammond. Hugo Weaving takes on the role of our masked Avenger V. John Hurt plays Adam Sisson. Stephen Fry, Stephen Ree, Rupert Graves, and Sinead Cusack star in this crazy revenge rated R, pure political, pure violent vengeful act of this man who has lost everything and sets out to destroy everyone and everything that took everything from him and took his humanity away. It follows the the last World War, not World War II, but probably World War III. London's a complete police state occupied by a fascist government and V, who's comes quickly to be known as a hero, uses terrorist tactics to fight the oppressors of the world in which he now lives. And what happens is V ends up saving a young woman, Evie Hammond, and he ends up discovering that she helped him get back a piece of his humanity before he decides to act out and complete his mission. Uh, Again, this movie is super amazing. It came out March 17th. 2006 the irony about that is it was postponed till that date because and i kid you not it was not released in the united states the studio was warned not to release it you can't release it because of the presidential elections in our country you can google it look it up if you know was v for vendetta held yeah google it you can find it it's crazy that's how much influence this writing and this book caused to people and people still talk about it today even the hackers known as uh, anonymous resemble the guy fox mask and guy fox if you don't know who that is i'm not going to tell you because you need to watch the film and in the film you'll get the whole guy fox routine it's super super cool super intriguing again this film came out in March. However, the whole film's directed around my birthday, which is ironic in itself. So definitely check it out. Uh, 
right now you can stream it on Vudu for free. That's right. If you sign up for Vudu, you can go on and watch this for free. It's for free on Vudu. But if you go anywhere else, iTunes, Google Play, Amazon Prime, YouTube, they don't have free catalogs through them. So it's $3.99 and up. Why spend the money when you can watch it for free on Vudu? Seriously, though. And speaking of free, right now with our sponsor Lysol that kills 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, these disinfectant wipes that you get, whether it's the regular basic lemon and lime blossom, whatever, it's three times stronger and they've doubled the dose inside the barrel. And you can get these for certain deals on at any store pretty much. Even your local Speedway. Check it out. Speedway carries them. That's right. If you check out your local Speedway. Use those points. And for the next one, for my coup de gras, if you will, it's actually a double package. So sit back. Enjoy. We're going to dive into this. And we're going to cover the entire Blade Runner series. That's right. All Blade Runner for the last whatever minutes I got left timed up. We're going to cover all Blade Runner films. And this, guys, is just a peach. It's amazing. For those of you that never watched any Blade Runner, any Blade Runner at all, we're going to cover that. So let's get right into it. So Blade Runner, its origin is 1982. That's the very first release of Blade Runner. And it was about two hours long. It's roughly give or take. And it's a Ridley Scott film. It's based on the story by Philip K. Dick, which if you don't know who Philip K. Dick is, he was a genius author who wrote short stories and long books. Um, the film that he wrote, or not film, the book that he wrote that's based on Blade Runner is Do Electric Androids Dream? And, or Do Electric Sheep, Android Sheep Dream at Night? Something of that nature. I'll, I'll get it. I'll, I'll get it. Whatever. But Philip K. Dick also did films like Minority Report, Total Recall, A Scanner Darkly, The Adjustment Bureau, um... He also did Screamers, he did Paycheck, he did uh, Radio Free, he also did um, Natural City, he did Megaville, King of the Elves, he did the film Next. Like, these are all his inspiration. Like, he literally wrote these books and people are like, we need to make these films. We have to make this. We have to make that. That's how much of an influence he he is. Like, seriously. I mean, the dude is a straight-up genius, and how can you deny that type of genius? Seriously. So, Blade Runner, the original 1982 film, taken on the helm by director Ridley Scott, which Ridley Scott is, like, in his 40s at this time, and he's doing, like, his third, fourth feature, and it is a tough brute because... He's trying to not only get it right to the book, but he's also trying to create something new and fresh that he's seen since his childhood. A great um, reference would be how the city looks in Metropolis, the old 1918 film, 
but also how he covers the society that has grown since mankind has essentially destroyed itself. And in this film, we follow a young Harrison Ford who plays the role of Deckard, and he's forced by his old boss, who's played by Emmis Welsh, uh, who to come back to the police force to continue his old job as a replicant hunter. And his assignment is to eliminate four escaped replicants from the colonies who have returned to Earth. Before starting the job, Deckard goes to the Tyrell Corporation and he meets a young woman who he doesn't know who she is. And she's a replicant that he's never seen before because they've never designed him like that. Nothing of that nature. And he ends up falling in love with her. Um, so to give you some more clarity of what I'm talking about here so you're not completely lost or, or you feel like, ah, that doesn't really interest me. Um, I want it to interest you because of what it brings to the table. What it brings to the table is it brings a, a dystopia future set in L.A., and it's all inspired from nothing but itself. All anime that follows after this film that came out in 1982 that embraces the whole cyberpunk, steampunk, all manga, all action films, all these films are based in, or have some type of influence from the genius of Ridley Scott that is Blade Runner. I mean literally you see resemblances of Blade Runner in so many films and I won't go into them because there's too many but what I talked about before there's some type of Ridley Scott Blade Runner in all the films I've talked about before which is just mind-boggling if you've never seen that kind of connection in film history or the history of making movies you do with the influence Blade Runner brings and it's it's by far a whopper and the cinematography is shot beautifully by Jordan Cronenworth. And if you don't know who he is, he is a late great cinematographer who shot Blade Runner. He also did Altered States. He did Cutter's Way. He did Brewster McCloud. He did Gardens of Stone. The guy is straight up bonkers genius. You're going to see cinematography in this film that you'll have never seen before. And uh, great people have pushed and inspired his son to follow his footsteps and Jeff Cronenworth and Jeff did some other work too. And we'll cover Jeff another day in time, but let's stay on the Blade Runner task here. Um, Jordan's work on this with um, set design with production designers and set designers to the production PA lighting key grips gaffers um, to get the right light that he wanted for the film and to get the right um, picture for Ridley, the most perfect picture he could possibly get in 1982 that's completely shot on film. Uh, I don't know how he did it. There's cinematographers out there today that will tell you we don't know how he did it. There's there's nothing in there. There's notes and everything, but you when you go to replicate the notes, <laughs> it's like there's like some like secret little key missing or there's like oh, well, there's steps one through seven, but five and six are missing. Like, you're like, what the hell? And it's nothing bad because you do all the steps, but it's, I mean, you just don't replicate it as perfect. 
as he does. Now there's close to that, but uh, for Blade Runner, it's story is just so much more because it's not only just this visual, spectacular, intense, action-packed, and powerfully prophetic uh, story that it gives you, but it also gives you these kind of takeovers. Now, here's the point of me talking earlier about Blade Runner itself. There's like five different cuts of this film and a couple cuts you'll never get to see because it only came to theaters like one time. So Ridley Ridley Scott did do a final cut of Blade Runner. You can watch that. It's 118 minutes long. So, um, and again, it's got Harrison Ford, Sean uh, Young, Rucker Hauer, Edward James Olmos, Daryl Hannah, Joanna Cassidy, Brian James. Uh, if you're not familiar with Brian James, he is a great character actor. Um, he's done 48 Hours, Tango and Cash. He's actually the fifth element. He's Bruce Willis's commanding officer, which, uh, sorry guys, it didn't make the dystopian list, but I didn't want to put it there because I wanted to go into a different sci-fi uh, saga, and we'll talk about that another day in time. Uh, fifth Element's great, though. Love Fifth Element. And so we have the finishing of Blade Runner, the final cut by Ridley Scott, which comes out in 1982. Then all of a sudden, we're jumping around because fan films try to come out and they're pushing Ridley to do it. And Ridley's like, no, I'm doing other projects right now. I don't want to cover it. And um, ironically enough, if you didn't know this, that the original Blade Runner came out or not came out, but when it came out, it's uh, the year was 2020 in the film or 2025. So, uh, so it's like we're right around the, the hairlines of that and dealing with these replicants, which are humanoid robots, if you will. And um, so uh, what happens is by give or take the summer spring of 2015 Ridley says it's time but he's not going to make it so he brings on a different director a genius director and he brings on Denny Villanueva now Denny Villanueva if you're not familiar with his work is the madman genius who's bringing us the new Dune, but he also did Arrival, Sicario, Prisoners, and Sandy's Enemy. So, definitely. With Blade Runner 2049, he comes on and he says, in his hotel room in Canada, he calls Roger Deakins the living legend himself, Roger Deakins, whose cinematography work is like the new Jeff Cronin with, if you will. He's, uh, but I mean, I, I don't know. I can't, I can't say that because every cinematographer, I love their work. I love their style. I love their unique capabilities that they bring to each film that they do. I don't think that there's like a bad cinematographer out there, or I don't think that there's like cinematographers out there that are like, you know, this one is the best of all time. And he's greater. I just think that for this type of story, it fits him perfect because his capability to manipulate and play with light and use light in multiple different settings 
fits perfect. So what happens is they meet, they do a sit down, they end up making the film, of course, starting casting and such. And what happens is Blade Runner 2049 takes place 30 years later after the original Blade Runner and Ryan Gosling, Harrison Ford, Ana de Armas, Jared Leto, Sylvia Hoax, Mackenzie Davis, and Dave Batista go on this wild dry, dry ride, if you will, or a wet ride. And it's also got other cast of characters that you'd be surprised to see in this film that I just love. You get the return of Sean Young, Edward James Olmos, David Desmalchian, uh, Bacard Abdi. Uh, if you're not familiar with that name, I am the captain now. I am the captain. Uh, Hiam Abbas, Wood Harris, another great Wood Harris, uh, Thomas Lamarquise. Uh, who's a great European actor as well. Sally Harmison, Krista Kosolanen, uh, David Benson, Elarika Johnson, and Lenny James. Uh, Lenny James, Walking Dead, shout out there, guys. Uh, so it's a huge, heavy-started cast. This is probably one of the biggest things that Warner Brothers did was say, we're going to spend a bunch of money to make a box office film, but it's an art house film. Because we're gonna do we're gonna do it right to homage to not only the original with Ridley Scott being close at hand, but also um, we're we're gonna do some sci-fi that is very with a select genre. Like I said, Blade Runner, the world of Blade Runner, the 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 grip it has on humanity is some completely different. Uh, just a one more note, by the way, I screwed up when I said the the year dial. It was twenty nineteen, based on this past year. Sorry about that, guys. Uh, but yeah, so um, it was about one hundred and fifty to one hundred eighty five million dollar budget, and it literally just uh, it didn't do what it could have at the box office. But I'm I loved it. I loved it to pieces. Um, Harrison Ford reprises the role of Rick Deckard. You get Ryan Gosling as Officer K, and it follows a new Blade Runner from the LAPD department who unearths a long buried secret that has the potential to plunge what's left of society into chaos. And his discovery leads him on a quest to find uh, Deckard, and the former Blade Runner meets the new Blade Runner as the hunt for replicants continues as well as this whole mystery uh is besieged on it now here's the cool part guys there are several short stories that warner brothers denny villanueva did before the release of uh the actual new film now please keep in mind that if you're gonna watch it watch it right um, and you got to watch them in order. So with that being said, um, this is the, how it works of the, the shorts, if you will. So there's Blade Runner 2049 blackout. It's all anime. You can watch it now on YouTube. It's all completely free. Warner brothers released them for free on YouTube. You can check them out yourself. You won't go wrong. Um, this particular short takes place in the year uh, 2022. And this is um, close to uh, 
I guess what one could say is uh, the events of uh, a big event that happens to mankind, California, Los Angeles, a hub of the world. And uh, it's super interesting. And then the the next uh, film that takes place is in the year 2036. And that's uh, entitled Nexus Dawn. And that there is really, really creepy because it's somewhat the rise of the Wallace Corporation, which you'll get a headline if you're willing to sit down and watch all the Blade Runners. You you won't be disappointed. You'll get to know the backgrounds and the stories and developments. And then the last one of the shorts is uh, takes place in the year 2048. So it's roughly a year before the events of 2049 begin. And we follow Dave Batista's character um, through some unhappy times. And you get to know a little bit more about him and it connects you to the entire Blade Runner world and you'll see characters from the past from literally the same actors playing the same roles from the original Blade Runner from 1982 and they do it perfect not good not great perfect so I highly recommend watching those shorts before you dive into 2049 so go Blade Runner then I would go uh Blade Runner Blackout then Blade Runner Nexus Dawn which is years 2022 202036 and then Nowhere to Run which is 2048 and then Blade Runner 2049 so those are three good short films you can watch on YouTube if you type in Blade Runner 2049 shorts or short you can watch those and dive right in those are some um sweet prologues to uh Blade Runner 2049. Now, with that being all, guys, I want to wish you guys a great day, a great week, a great life. Take care of each other. Stay kind. Love, happiness, always. Thanks for tuning in. And until next time, uh, just let you guys know we're going to sit there and I'm not going to try to post every day, but I'm going to post stuff like uh, course of the week. Um, maybe do a couple days, but um, this is where we're heading now. I just want to give a teaser for the information from before of episodes one and two that you'll be watching and listening in. Uh, we'll be going to be focused on certain genres and categories. So with that being said, take care, stay safe, stay clean. And after you hear this, wash your hands.